0: It is for you guys. Enjoy. Welcome to We The Thunder. We are back with Thomas scooley I'm shooter. Got a guest we're gonna bring on in just a couple minutes. But before we do that, I want you guys know we got a couple giveaways tonight. So if you already follow our new Facebook page, simply titled We the Thunder Podcast. Um, You're already in the contest and actually I already have a winner for that because I went through all our new followers and we have a winner named Joshua Wad and what he's going to get is one of these sweet highlight coolers full of so many goodies like they're just jammed in here and guess what somebody who is watching tonight is also going to win one. So if you would like to um, win one of these, very simple what you have to do. We're going to do the drawing at the end of the show. All you have to do is comment. So enter hashtag cigar City for a chance to win. And we'll do a drawing towards the end of the show here. And um, we will have that uh, drawing here for you at the end of the night. So swag bag highlight cooler why are we doing that thomas schoolie do you know why we're we've got some of this swag from highlight
1: because they're partnering with us and we're going to be holding some watch parties there
0: that is the other announcement that i wanted to make right on cue thomas schoolie very good and as we discussed before the show i didn't prepare you for anything so that's thomas schoolie for you on the ball but there you go Um, posted this on our Twitter before the show here. We've got three watch parties lined up. They're all after the new year. First one, Boston Bruins, Saturday, January 6th. Then we're going to do Columbus Blue Jackets on Saturday, uh, February 10th. And then March 24th at the Anaheim Ducks. These are all away games, by the way. And this will be at Cigar City. Uh, So, more to come, uh, more news on that as those dates approach. But if you go on Facebook, we got some events set up so you can go um, reserve or RSVP for those events. And I got to remind you, it is not at the Cigar City that is at the stadium. It is the original location where the brewery is on Spruce Street. So, you'll hear a lot more about these watch parties uh, as the dates approach. But uh, if you're interested in joining us to watch a game, At the very least, you can meet Thomas Schooley in person in case you don't know where to find him uh, during Lightning Games. At least Away Lightning Games. Nobody knows where to find you. Where do you watch Away (laughs) Lightning Games, actually, Thomas Schooley? Here, there, and everywhere. Good answer. Good answer. All right. So hashtag Cigar City to uh, to win that cooler we will give away tonight. I don't want to waste any time because we have a real professional joining us um she's been on the show several times before at this point um but it's always good to have her on because she really knows what she's talking about i feel like she kind of like makes us look bad as far as like she really knows what she's talking about she's in there with the media she gets to ask questions she just interviewed jeremy roenick a couple weeks ago on on her podcast so let's stop talking about her let's bring her in casey hudson is joining the show again and she has been casing the league. That's that's this new show this season. A lot of bolts coverage on that. But you're kind of talking a little bit about the extended NHL now, right?
2: Yeah, I am. Thanks for uh, a really sweet introduction there. I think the the simple term of it is I'm just a nerd for hockey, and I appreciate you guys appreciating that. But. Casey Lee uh, on Believe Network, I get to kind of dive into all of the teams are kind of like the most talked about conversations throughout the NHL with a focus on the lightning. So that's the cool part is that I get to still um, rave about our, our home turf here. And there's still plenty to rave about when it comes to the lightning, regardless of the already emotional roller coaster we have faced.
0: Before we jump into hockey though, I have to ask a personal question. Since Halloween <laughs> was last night, did you go trick or treating and more importantly, what is your weakness as far as like these Halloween candies out there? Are you like a Kit-Kat person, Reese's, like is, what's the go-to? I,
2: so I have to lamely admit that I was cozy in bed by like nine o'clock yesterday. I did my halloweening over the weekend and I don't have any kids. My niece and my nephews are too cool for school now. So I had no duties um, to be trick-or-treating and I was exhausted, but I will say that I definitely had all the candy. My go-to are Kit Kats and Peanut M&Ms. I could kill of bags on bags on bags of bags of Peanut M&Ms. It's my absolute weakness.
0: There you go, Schooley. Do you have? I know you're a little Debbie guy. but They don't give those out. I'm for hearing
2: wrappers unraveling just as I said that. So, I, I'll re- <laughs> oh, so.
0: Uh- <laughs> I went
1: to my sister's house yesterday to hand out candy at her house. Why my niece took my great niece out trick or treating. Um, and I got to say, there was a little bit of thinking behind that because my niece is actually allergic to peanuts. So they can't have it in the house and her daughter surely can't eat it because of kissing her mom and stuff like that. So they brought the trick, the, the, Trick or treating bags to me, and I went through and removed everything just about that had peanuts in it. So, yeah, for her own well being, of course.
0: Yeah,
1: um, so, so, I came home with a whole bunch of Reese's, which is my favorite, and then I'm a Twizzler fan too, um, and Sour Patch Kids. So yeah, it was it was a nice little haul for me uh spending a couple hours at my sister's sister's house handing out some candy. Some great costumes out there, but I got to say the costume of the year was Barbie. Oh,
2: um, of course. That yeah. It was it was funny to see how many like players across the league actually wanted to be Barbie or dressed as some form of a woman. Um but they were just really letting their hair down this year.
0: Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. Any kid that shows up at my house with, like, lightning, like, as a lightning player, they get, like, a, they get a big uh bulk to their bag when they show up at my house. So, kids, next next year, if you uh, want to be a lightning player, you should swing by old, old Shooty's house and uh, you get some extra candy. I don't like to have so much leftover candy because if it's at my house, like, I'm eating it. Right. And we have really too much leftover candy this year. So, I don't know. Maybe we'll do trick-or-treating this weekend again at my house. Yeah. Um, while we're on the topic of Halloween, we saw like a couple lightning players every year kind of leaks, like you know, a couple pictures of lightning players. And then we saw the rookies get the rookie treatment with like Essie Mont, uh walking in as a uh, pizza slice. And I think I saw a picture no, that of wasn't Mont. that was ABB. Oh, okay, it pizza. Mm-hmm. but all, all the rookies uh walked in with costumes, and then I think I saw a picture of Hegel as. Austin Powers and Sorelli as, um, what's it, uh, Jim Carrey. Uh, wh- Ace Ventura. East Ventura, pet detective. Yes, Sorelli. Yes. So, um, Schooley, I'm sure you know who everyone else was. Spill the beans. Well, no, they, well, walking in, they had Morella,
1: um, who was, uh, what, like Michael Myers or something at the Halloween game. And then um, it was um, the backup. Tompkins was Austin Powers, um, the Halloween game, and then you had ABB as the pizza. And there's one more I'm forgetting. Um, but it, I I haven't seen too many leak. I really want to see Sergachev was kind of mobsterish for the game, so it would have been cool to see. You know, it was his baby's first Halloween. So it'd be kind of cool to see what was going on there.
0: Oh, yeah. All right. I see uh, the comments rolling in. Steve, happy belated birthday, by the way. Yesterday was Steve's birthday. birthday. So happy birthday, Steve. <laughs> and yeah, add those Cigar City, hashtag Cigar Cities to your comments. Um, let's jump into some actual hockey. We had two games since we last broadcast this program. Uh, I was at one of them. Thomas Cooley was at one of them. Let's start with last Thursday night. The San Jose Sharks come to town. They haven't won a game. They're playing desperate hockey, and then they step into Emily Arena and actually play hockey. And it didn't look like they were playing desperate hockey at all, because the Lightning won six to nothing. And I mean, this this had to be the best game for the Lightning so far this season. But you got to consider who they're playing against. The, the Sharks looked absolutely awful in this game. Like, for most of the game, the Lightning had complete control. You saw Johansson get his second straight shutout. And, by the way, got the second star of the week in the NHL for that uh, performance last week with two shutouts. Um, what would you guys think of, of this game uh, with the Lightning really kind of finally dominating a game this year and winning
2: I would say even though it was against the Sharks and obviously, you know, the, the list of the things that the Sharks don't do well is, is longer than what they do well. But I think the most important thing with this game was what they carried over from the Carolina win. That was a pretty big win in my book, even though they were still without Svechnikov. Um, but they were still able to translate the most important parts of their game. And they this is a team that we've seen lose to bad teams before or give away – games like this, you know, that were completely winnable. So, I think it's still an important win for them. I think the other thing that I love the most is coming out of the off season, gearing up for this season. One of the biggest conversations around this new roster and all these new faces is that the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to be a faster team to compete out there. We haven't really seen that speed very consistently. We've seen glimmers of it, we've seen sparks, but we haven't seen that speed be penetrated against another team for you know, 45 plus minutes of hockey. And they did that versus the San Jose Sharks. Them having that endurance and that pace that kind of gives you hope that, okay, a lot of the excitement that we had around these new guys are going to continue to translate and unfold and probably carry into the most important part of the season. So it was the pace for me. It was the speed. It was the fact that they were insufferable for 60 minutes of hockey. They outshot their opponent finally, something that they struggle in doing. Um, The only time that the Sharks were able to come up to breathe is when they outshot the Bolts in the third period. I'm talking about just three more shots. They had nine shots compared to the Bolts' six. And that's without the bolts letting off the gas. That's just a desperate team trying to make anything happen or just not give in that shutout. So I think there were still a lot of good things from them beating the Sharks 0-6 to or 6-0 on um, Emily Arena.
1: Yeah, like Casey said, the Lightning are usually one of those teams that plays down to their competition. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen it time and time again. And we had talked about it last week that, you know, we tend to let these bad teams look good. Um, and it was great, and I think for me the most important part was them finally starting to gel together. You finally started to see these lines. You started seeing these passes. Um, It's just they look like, and it even carried in, even with the loss, it even carried into that. You could see more no-look passes, more um, they knew where each other was, you know, and it just seems like now they're really building these lines and getting these lines solid. It's almost like when we had the trades at the deadlines last couple of years, um, and you know, those new players kind of are for the first couple weeks are just trying to feel where they're going to belong. Hagel, Paul, Coleman, um, you, you, Gaudreau. You constantly have that where it's trying to figure out where they belong. and I think when you brought, especially when you have Maud out, which today, no red contact jersey. so he'll be returning on this road trip. I'm sure we'll talk about that, but and that's gonna disrupt something, you know, but you finally started having them playing as a team and playing as these lines that I think they felt comfortable with. And like she said, you started seeing shots on goals last the first couple of games you were seeing more not hitting the net they were going over the net um more passes it was well rounded game there i thought it was yeah. great to take it out on the sharks
0: the passing the cycling in this game was was ridiculous uh Glenn Denning got his first goal as a bolt, which was nice to see um ac Mott was was insane this game i i thought it was because maybe he the sharks was the last team he played for um uh, he's been
2: spectacular all year so far
0: yeah but this game like he was really getting after it like he almost got in that fight with ruda of all people um it wasn't really a fight they both just got like two minutes for uh you know roughing or whatever hugging um but everybody got a little piece of the pie like you had stamkos get his goal Uh, You had Point with that nice goal to start. Hagel and Paul just continue kind of what they started. And then, like you mentioned, AC Moth, you know, another great game from him. Um, So it was nice to see. and It was nice to go to a game to see, you know, the Lightning dominate again. Um, So, man, I wish we played the Sharks more this season. (laughs) (laughs) One more time.
2: All right.
0: let, let's let's move on to the Kraken. Um, Monday night, uh, really slow start for the Lightning, and I kind of attributed that to like the odd scheduling. It was it was strange for the Bulls to play Thursday and not play any games that weekend, mm-hmm. um, which led up to um, this Monday night game against the Kraken, which was really their their last game of their road trip. And I didn't realize that the Lightning were the only team that the Kraken had not beaten. Mm-hmm. Um, that didn't last uh, t- until Tuesday because the Kraken ended up winning that game four to three on the overtime goal on the power play. Uh, but it was really that first period, and this is what Cooper was saying, and I think everyone that watched the game realizes that first period, that slow start that really kind of put him behind in that game. Because after that first period ended, I think it was 3-1. to one, The Kraken did score three goals in that first period. Um, that after that, it, the the tide kind of tur- turned more towards the Lightning, and you saw the Lightning have a lot of chances. And they had a lot of chances to make this game a blowout. Like, you had uh, a wraparound from ABB. He just couldn't pull off. Hagel had that shorthanded play where he had a one-on-one with the goalie. Kooch had one where, you know, he probably should have scored because he was one-on-one with the goalie. Connor Sheary had one. Um, So, finally, we did see the Bolts come back. You saw Hagel um, tie it with about five minutes left, 3-3. Uh, and at the end, it was Paul with a not so great uh, hooking penalty in overtime, but it was a hook, and uh, McCann blasts it home for the Kraken. Um, Casey, what what did you kind of gather from from this game?
2: Well, definitely agree with the fact that this team is not, you know, as sharp as they can be when they have that extended amount of time off. This team has been a thrive under pressure team for the past five six seasons, honestly. That's also why they did so well in that short season of what 56 games playing almost every other night, unless there was a COVID issue. So we saw it earlier in the season when they had that extended time after the home opener, and then they ended up going on the road, which they were one of the worst road teams last season. So time off or too much time in between is not good for these guys. Um, Heading into this matchup, they were one, two, and two, and outshot by their opponent. And of course, they added another L to that statistic. So my biggest concern is seeing how the first period started to play out. Minus three goals. It was the twenty to nine shots that closed out the first period alone, just showing that the Seattle Kraken were continuously putting themselves in scoring opportunities and pushing the puck forward and keeping the Bolts in their D zone, which this this team can't do that and regardless of who's in between the pipes. uh, I know a lot more fans are becoming Johansson fans, but still you cannot do that with any of your goaltenders behind you. So I think it's the fact that they just let the game get too far ahead of them. Yeah. It's fantastic to see how well they climbed out of that hole in the second and third period. They ended up reversing and outshooting the Kraken both in the second and third period. Hagel's been that superhero in the third period to get those late minute goals to tie things up over and over again, but it's, it's too much work to yourself through this early in the season when it's a completely manageable and winnable game from the beginning. I was hoping that the Kraken would be feeling the last leg of their road trip and that the Bolts would have been able to expose that, but that first period was just the nail in the coffin regardless of the work they put in.
1: Yeah, the the I, I see Stephanie comment on this. We saw Flurry get into the lineup that night. Um mm-hmm not a huge fan of his whatsoever really felt like they sh- he shouldn't still be with the team. Um, but they, they did not, they had no answer for Bernier. They had no answer for the, the Kraken was just attacking them all night long. Of course you had Yanni. Um, it, the game did start with, I think one of the best tributes ever um, to Bellemare, um which was really, I didn't expect the huge crowd ovation as you got for Bellamere, um, especially because they just did Ian Cole's and nobody even realized that was a tribute for Ian Cole until they put his name up there. <laughs> but Bellamere's was so great and is more about his mom's death and him playing after his mom's death and the team coming behind him and rallying behind him. So he had a pretty good stand in ovation. It was a great, if you haven't seen it, it's all over social media. You can check it out. It was a real great return for him. And they did the moment of silence for the two people that had been killed in Ebor. So that's how the night had started out. Um, And then, yeah, the lightning just never really woke up until towards the third period. Um, You saw Sorelli really never got into the game. There were several different times that he had some great looking shots that he could have got. And instead he was just passing it or they kept getting pickpocketed. Every time you turned around, Seattle was behind them, taking the the puck right off their stick.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and as uh, Borosko's pointed out here in the chat, this overtime thing, like, what what do we got to do to get an overtime win? I think it's seven straight overtime losses now going back to beyond last year. And for some reason, this team, like, I hope that they win at home because it's just going to be an eruption if they do win an overtime game at home. But at this point, it's like they got to get that monkey off their back. Do you kind of notice anything, Casey, just being closer to the team that, like, does it come up? Obviously, it came up, I'm sure, Monday after the game. But, like, do you hear anything about, like, you know, this this whole overtime? The bolts suddenly – can't win in overtime when they used to be such a deadly team in overtime they yeah. can't win the fa- face off in overtime that's well, the problem
2: and that's exactly one of the one of the three things that coach cooper pointed out so yeah it's crazy this used to be one of the teams that you never wanted to go into overtime with and now uh you probably like your chances a lot more but coach was just saying after monday night's game that you know not winning face-offs in overtime then you're immediately giving away possession you're chasing the puck you're chasing the game and and it's not played out for them. Um, I would add to that, which is so crazy to me, because their faceoff statistics this season has been insane. I mean, they won well over thirty-five faceoffs versus the Toronto Maple Leafs. They've been so dominant in the circle, but it's not translating into overtime. And they're not fatigued; they don't look exhausted. It just looks um, a bit more careless, I guess I would say. But building off of the, you know, giving your possession opportunity away. I think the bigger thing here is they're still trying to find what gels in those three-on-three moments. Um, In my personal opinion, with one of the last overtimes we saw, I think that it was just kind of a tough call for – Brandon Hagel, he was in the zone, and he does him so well. But I saw him try to do a no-look pass across – the center ice and you don't have a guy to your side that knows that you're about to do that. So that ended up creating a turnover opportunity and giving away possession again. So I bring it back down to the chemistry um, and the gelling between these new guys and kind of figuring out what's going to work best. And even though we're kind of seeing some three and three pairings from guys who played together for a season or two now, mm-hmm. it, that wasn't the original units, if you look back six, seven months ago. So I think it's a chemistry thing. Uh, the face-off circle—you can't win all in regulation and then give that up in, in overtime either. So it's one of the small details of the game that they just have to piece together. Or better yet, if you look at how many opportunities they continue to give their opponent during regulation, they should have had maybe one overtime game so far this entire season. They shouldn't have as many overtime games as they've had at all.
0: Uh,
1: yeah. yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that stat a couple times about the. The faceoffs in the uh, during the regulation, but those aren't the the players that have that high percentage are not the ones that are playing in overtime. I mean, so we also have to look at that. We have to look at who your faceoff people is in the three on three on overtime, and maybe that might be something. Coop adjusts. You saw um, Seattle do it where they and we've done it before. Stamkos used to be the one who would take the faceoff. If we want it, he went straight off the ice and then they would bring someone else on. Mm-hmm. Seattle was doing that in this overtime. We we held the puck for three seconds in overtime <laughs> against mm-hmm. the bracket. um and then the one before that n- no, we didn't have it at all. So it's definitely gonna be possession. And I think Coop needs to think look at those face off percentages and really get that guy again like we had for Stammer a couple of years ago.
2: Yeah. And if that, I mean, I'm sure that's an easy adjustment for them to make. I mean, leading the charge when the face off circle right now, last I saw was Anthony Cirelli. So no. that's a guy who would be effective on three on three and you don't even have to pull him off the ice after winning the draw. But that's, again, I think a lot of it just has to do with them figuring out who needs to be where a new line change went about in practice this morning. So a lot of it's just that identity that that coop was talking about on the road a couple weeks ago and they started to find some things that work but they're going to have another adjustment when mock gets back into the lineup which should happen on the road trip as you guys mentioned so a lot of it's just adjustment period of the first half of the season
0: yeah so two games in the last week they, they pick up three points could have been four um the other thing we didn't mention about that cracking game is they hit like four or five posts that game. They should have scored a couple. awful
2: post hits that you would see. Your whole heart stops.
0: You you can
1: tell what the scouting was for um, Bernier Um, because that post got a lot of blocks. (laughs) Yeah, it did.
0: All right. Uh, So what else? We talked kind of about Johansson getting that second star of the week last week, posting up two shutouts. We did see Vassy back on ice a little bit at practice this week. Uh, I, I think it's safe to say the Bolts found themselves a solid backup goaltender in mm-hmm. Johansson. What have you thought of his play so far, Casey?
2: Oh, my gosh. I think that he's been the one of the best surprises that you could ask for in a number of ways. The first thing that comes to mind after seeing him be able to perform and, and handle what he's handled is that we can now redistribute Vasilevsky's workload because I think Vasilevsky's still going to come in and be fantastic. But he was one of the top goalies, if not the top goalie in the league, to have the most starts, to face the most shots. Like, the league has gotten faster. The game has changed a little bit. You can't have that expectation out of a great goalie. You know, you're not seeing Shusterkin doing it. You're not seeing Sorokin doing it. You're not even seeing um, Allmark doing it anymore. Swayman is getting a balanced effort there. So, Having a guy like Johansson, it's going to really help bring this team to life. Something that I have to point out, yes, fans are just now getting on board with Johansson after the two shutouts, but he has been so fierce before that. In preseason, I think it was the Florida Panthers game in Orlando – he was facing so many high-danger shots, and he can handle difficult and high-danger shots with such composure and such ease. I think this is also a big plus for the Bolts because after last season, teams thought that they had figured out Vasilevsky and the five-hole issue. But now they have a guy who isn't going to be an easy read whatsoever and can handle difficult, high-danger shots. He's faced 59 high-danger shots so far this season. He's only let up six goals from those 59 high-danger shots. That's a tremendous statistic for somebody who has barely any time in the NHL whatsoever. So I think the bigger concern was his lack of experience. It's turning out to be one of the best things about him. Um, He's also now one of the top goalies in the league with the amount of shots he's faced, 280. um, And his save percentage last week when he got that second he was the number ninth goalie in the league so far. So – I love how well he can not only contribute to the team between the pipes, but the surprise that he'll be going up against other teams and the way that he can alleviate Vassilessi so that we can get the best and healthiest version of Vassi. Yeah.
1: And you see a lot of those teams doing the 1A, 1B, um, which we saw that several years ago. And then they kind of went away with that. But even going back to the Seattle game, Bernier had played less than his backup had And had one less than his backup had one. And you see that, like you mentioned, in Boston, um, you still have Bobrovsky mostly down in the Florida Panthers. But a lot of those teams are doing that, doing that 1A, 1B. And we mentioned this before because uh, JBB mentioned it at the Cigar City um, taping of the block party where they've had their eyes on Johansson for a while. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was finally a chance to go get him. And I think it's great, and it really—he really seems like he and Vasi are gonna get along great together um, as a one-two pairing. They just have so many similarities, and I think still learning from each other. Um, and you know, we're, we are gonna get a chance to see Tompkins again on this road trip. Um, gonna have to because there's a back-to-back game, mm-hmm. so we will see him again. Hopefully, he'll get his first NHL win during this during this time. So it'll be interesting what well, we got about another month before Bassett comes back.
2: And I don't even think they have to rush him coming back either. No. I mean, when you're talking about a lumbar situation, continuing, He's going to
1: rush it more than the team will. You no, know,
2: I totally agree but that's where they have to kind of like put their foot down because Basky, you know, <laughs> wants to it. but you know, I think he, you saw a different level of humility to a very humble guy already on media day, entering the season. when He was kind of talking about his discovery of like rehabilitation and like how much time he needs to put towards it and stuff. So hopefully with that new realization over the summer, um, he won't be you know banging on the door to be like, okay, let me play. Let me play. Cause every time you talk to the coach about it, it's like, you know, good luck pulling Vassi out like Vassie wants to be in. Tremendous work ethic, but there's, there's that's not a long, long-term solution, if, and I think he's learning that the hard way now because he didn't want to do surgery. He really wanted to be good to go on media day. If you look at all of his answers, we would have never guessed that we were going to get an alert that Vassi was going into surgery momentarily. So I think that Johansson is incredible in that sense. Also, whenever people see Vassi between the pipes, it's the how much room he takes up right Johansson is very similar and just like that lengthiness to him like he takes up so much space there when he walks into the locker room I, I have to step back and readjust my camera I don't have to do it as drastically with Bassey I have to do it with Johansson I think he's got like an inch and a half on him maybe but he's just another really lengthy guy between the pipes and obviously playing very well
1: yeah and I think um, you're there you see the introductions the crowd that when they announce, when Paul Porter announced an end goal, you know, number 31, Johan Jonas Johansson, the place goes nuts. And even louder, even though the chance for Moose was more Moose, but I still think the chance for Johansson is louder. I just wish the, and maybe you can put it in their ear, um, lightning vision would sit there and do the you know jojo chant or something like that um like they used to do the they do the Vassy, like we did moose and stuff like that cuz i think the fans are totally behind him i think they really have bought into them this year and i think the team store is missing out on a huge payday by not having any johansson anything i think right now they would be getting some quick coin if they threw out them t-shirts real quick
2: oh i agree he needs to have his own thing we need to make his identity and his welcomeness with the team like a lot more permanent people loved yelling moose i know i love being like the moose is loose but then like who knew how the game was going to go that night it was just a fun play on words but jojo deserved it for sure i think they just have to figure out what his thing is going to be like what
0: a no-no for
1: jojo oh <laughs> what <laughs> A no-no for JoJo. Well, you mm-hmm. saw,
2: you that, saw that, after,
1: after the that, overtime that, loss the other day, um, I was listening to it on the radio, and um, Michigan was saying, why is the team still staying on the bench? Are they – there is nothing to review. This was a good play. And then they go, oh, they're waiting for Joe to get to the bench. And, like, that's not something normally they used to do. As soon as they lost, they just head right into the locker room. They all stayed on the bench and waited for Johansson to come in there because they felt like they let him down. And I thought that was a good team team thing right there that they're showing they are behind him.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And credit to Franz John for a goalie coach for uh, you know coaching him up to to be able to play in these games. I'm sure he's under an enormous amount of pressure that he did not think he was going to be in about a month ago. Um, but which, by the way, that was the guest. On today's uh, block party with great yeah. Wolf and braden I haven't listened to it yet, but I'm sure it's going to have a lot of uh, insight about that whole goalie uh, situation. So go check that out. And if you did not see, you've got a really cool chance to check out um, block party live. They've now they're going to do another one live on November 10th, so next Friday. And you do have to go get tickets for that. So. Go online. I think I retweeted it and you can go see. Uh, they're not spilling the beans on who the guest is yet. But from what I've heard, you don't want to miss it. Um, and also Greg's all over the place. Uh, he was at the Heritage Classic this weekend. He's become like the the host of the NHL now. So he's doing all the stadium series and winter classic and everything. So I've been waiting. He usually comes on the show, but I've been waiting until after he like does some of this stuff so that we can kind of get his feedback on how everything went, but it's exciting to kind of see him go to all this, all these different events. They had Steven fill in for him on the Halloween game the
1: other night. And Stephen Stephen did pretty good there. <laughs>
0: all right, let's get down to some serious questions. The news today is Tyler Mott is back in practice with the shed, the no contact Jersey, which means he is coming back soon. As Matt here says, what happens when Mott comes back? He's not on a two-way contract, so he's probably got a spot in that lineup. What are the Bolts going to do? Uh, Casey, do you have any ideas on what you think they might do? Because they do have to move a player or a salary to be able to get Mott back on the roster.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, the Definitely a tough call here because I like Morella a lot. I like what he has done game in and game out, and I think that he's going to be – uh, an asset down the stretch here. So I, I don't want to see him go down, but I was talking to a colleague in the press box about this on Monday. And he was just saying that like, because of Merrill's game translating from, you know, the Finnish league, which bigger rank and a few different adjustments there to this one that like maybe his game can take the next le- the next step in the AHL with, you know, our, our Syracuse crunch, who are a very quality team. Um, so that could potentially be a move there because ABB has officially now solidified his spot mm-hmm. with me. You're playing a lot along on the top line with Braden Point and Nikita Kucherov. You have Nikita Kucherov trusting you with no look passes. Like the ultimate amount of the tap on the shoulder trust call has been, you know, initiated there. So I just can't imagine them moving Paraybulet um, uh, anywhere at the moment. Yeah. Watson would clear cap space though, and Watson's been the initial scratch for 90% of games. So if that's something that they can make happen, keep Morella in the lineup and keep baby on that top line, then I think it's Watson that gets the loss there because Mott is someone I was very excited about when they signed him. I mean, the fact that they even got him when Josh Archibald mentioned that he wasn't playing hockey was just fantastic because in a short amount of time, the 38 games that he played with Ottawa, I think it was like 24 with the Rangers, he was such a significant key piece on the ice he was somebody who continued to help generate an offense he shoots a lot I don't think people realize how many shots that Tyler Mott posts and for a team that loses when they're outshot by that opponent getting a guy back on the ice is going to help add to that shot tally is going to be tremendous for this team and kind of alleviate the skill players to focus on the execution versus you know 150 part of the ice of hockey and execute on the last you know, 10 feet, if you will
1: and he fell into our lap and that's only because Archibald, that's I mean. decided, Archibald decided not to play and we, we buy out his contract and then all of a sudden here he is right in our lap. Now, the other thing I, I think is going to be Watson also, but I know we had Eric Light lightning insider in a couple of weeks ago, and you also have Bogo who has not played the 10 games yet. So he does not have to clear waivers so they can send him back um, and then bring him in. But I I do think it's Watson. I would like to see Watson stay up here, Um, but uh, I think he's he's the odd man out.
2: Yeah. And it's tough because, like, I was excited about Watson too because – you know, again, going with the themes in the offseason, translating to this new roster, speed was one of the things, uh, face-offs is one of the things, penalty kills one of the things, but physicality, you know, you don't have a Pavaroon anymore, you don't have a pest in Corey Perry. you don't have that workhorse in Bellamar. So we needed more physicality. Yeah, we have Tanner Janot, but then it was like, Who else? And that's where Watson kind of came in. He had the NHL experience. Um, his hit total was just ridiculous, his block shots, he's very fearless back there. So I kind of thought he was like a, a nice little puzzle piece, but they can make some moves when it comes to the deep pairings. I know they're still figuring some things out. They do like how Flurry tends to move or how they can play him as an additional forward. So that versatility, I think they want to keep in their back pocket. But we saw Flurry got sent down um, a couple of times when they needed to create some space. But Bogosian, when they released him to, to waivers, we didn't know if we were going to see him again. So that is another option. And of course, you trust Eric uh, tremendously. I love Eric.
1: And that's yeah. my, my, I want to know your opinion on that. Do you think they put Bogo down there hoping somebody would take him in order to free up? Because right then was when the rumors were coming out, they were looking for a goalie um, to, you know, not play Tompkins and because Hugo, I think who a lot of bolts nation thought was going to be the hair apparent um, and then, just in off season you didn't or in the preseason you didn't really see him do that good and even syracuse he's still kind of um a little swish cheesy um so you know and so then you saw all the rumors lightning we're looking at a goalie and then all of a sudden you lose Bo- Bogo to waivers do you think that was uh let's see if there's any interest if anybody claims him if someone claims him good uh, if someone, if nobody claims him, then good. Also,
2: um, yeah, I think it was to kind of see if they could get some money there. I don't know if it would have been to play into picking up a goalie. Just kind of looking at a goaltender's net worth, especially a goaltender that would have done anything drastic for this team before we realized what Johansson was going to bring to the table. It would have cost more than Bogos' contract. Bogo is, you know, under eight hundred. I'm pretty sure. So it wasn't going to really alleviate much. And plus, that would have been kind of a Weird move to make, knowing that Vassy was coming back. So because they had a 60-day, you know, 60-75-day window on Vassi's return, I never anticipated them trying to make any sort of move, even though it was terrifying. But it wouldn't have been worth it because now they have to figure out how to get their cap space in a in out of the negatives for the most part. And uh, moving a guy like Bogosian is not really even going to toggle with that. I mean, if you look at their cap space at, at the end of the off season, they're technically sitting in the red zone. So I think it was just kind of a maybe we can start adding a little value to our cap space here because they have a larger issue on their hands, obviously, between, you know, potentially extending the scam and all the other things that they have to navigate and hoping and holding their breath that the league is going to get the 3 or $5 million increase come the end of the season.
0: That is the rumor. So one last chance, last call here. We are giving away one of these bad boys. It is chocolate. Full of things like stickers, face paint, koozies, some of those hard koozies that like those are my favorites. They keep your drink cold and uh, for even longer. Uh,
1: no, but, okay. uh, thank you. If
0: so anyone wins this,
1: I want the blue eye paint. Give okay. me the blue eye paint.
2: Send it back.
0: <laughs> Thomas, I want your whole face to be blue. I want you to pull uh, the what's his name? Terry with blue oh. in the No, nobody can be a Terry. I'll I'll be Blue Man Group. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hashtag Cigar City in the comments. And if you missed it earlier, we'll be talking about this the rest of the year. You can come watch a game with us. Maybe we'll beg Casey to come out to one of these dates to uh, come hang out with us and watch a game. Uh, But we do have some games coming up after the new year. And um, rumor has it, if you guys show up, We might extend that into the playoffs uh, if we make the playoffs. I think we got a good shot. Um, uh, Podcast listeners, if you don't know Casey Hudson, make sure you check her out at Sports Case. If you want to listen to a real podcast, not two ham and eggers (laughs) up here once a week, you know, slobbing around just like, hey, I went to the game last night. Oh, you went to the game too? (laughs) What would you see? You want to – a real professional go check out Casey casing the league with a K what's it like to interview a person like Jeremy Roenick?
2: it was very interesting it was definitely nerve-wracking because of you know who he is and what he's done in the NHL but it was, it was ended up being so much fun because the coolest part about it is you're talking about someone who paved the way for American NHLers for starters. And you're also talking about somebody who completely dominated in a different era of hockey. So it was funny because a lot of the questions that I had from him to get his take on, you know, where the game's gone, how the game is growing and the the star players of the league right now, he did not hold back. Like, yeah, the team, the league's gotten faster. Yeah. The talent has gotten, you know, more skillful. He's like, but they can't take a hit. Like nobody could match him these days. Cause I asked myself, is there a player now that, probably has a similarity or more similarities to your game. And he was like, no, no one, because not only did he score, but he hit. So it was just, it was really cool to see the transparency there. Um, And just to get his take on, on the difference and really seeing how vastly uh, hockey has just completely changed and grown. Obviously we don't hire enforcers and stuff anymore, but, he was one of the top goal scorers to you know, represent the states and to have such cool situations and opportunities. I mean, Wayne Gretzky was somebody who helped him get into the academy that he got into to get his career started. So when you get the tap by a guy like that, you just know that you're destined to do big things. So answered a lot of great things. Got to talk to him about his perspective on Steven Stamkos' contract. And, you know, just to hear from a player perspective and to see what he did with the Blackhawks organization. That was his home. And then having to leave his home, what his mindset was at that time. He's also somebody who's been a part of a lockout. So it was just, it was such a multitude of information and perspective from a legendary hockey player. I couldn't have.
1: Ronick not hold back. Go figure. Right. (laughs) Did you tell him? He's
2: not afraid to toot his own horn. Kind of did thing, you tell like, him Tampa you know.
1: fans did not like him and have no love lost for him? He has never been a Bolts fan at all. And I'll re- I never forget the last time we had the all-star game here. Um, it was him and Melrose was down here because they were doing the um, the show for ESPN. And you just heard boos. But everybody running to get his autograph. But then, no. You yeah.
2: Know? but hating it's a lot of
1: you want to meet but then you're like thanks asshole
2: (laughs) and the best part too is like one of the things that he mentioned that like he felt he feels like he's one of the best in the game ever is the time that he took with fans but you know when you're good and you're blunt and you're honest and you have an opinion and you're gonna sit there and shoot the shit with media like yeah you're gonna end up having a little bit of a chaotic reputation so he's fully aware of that but he still thinks very highly of um his interactions with everyone so (laughs) it was it was funny if i hadn't grown up around some of the guys that i had and like my ex-boyfriend's dad he was like the top deadlifter in minnesota and stuff like i had been around that kind of persona before so i think that's what made it so easy going but yeah he's a unique legend
1: very yeah, powerful. if you didn't, well, number one, if you didn't know Jer- Jeremy Ronick going in, you would think, what an Aryan ass. <laughs> and then not only that, you, like you said, you've been around those kind of people. So, you know, you would definitely, he definitely takes you back if, you know, you're just coming into being a hockey fan and start seeing him. <laughs> you're like, whoa, yeah. whoa what a gem
2: (laughs) he's not for for new newbies that's for sure but definitely again an interesting perspective to say the least so it's been cool though like working with believe i've got to talk to all sorts of people and analysts from different teams and i kind of love it because it puts it really just puts things in perspective with where the lightning are where they have the chance to go and of course growing up in tampa bay and like getting a chance to cover this team for five seasons now like um you just it gets you excited to know that this team is still very much a contender and very much heading in the right direction so I've got to talk to the Seattle Kraken analyst, and Allison Luke and tomorrow I'll be doing a show with Brian Hedger again um he worked with the NHL now he's with the dispatch for the Columbus Blue Jackets and the Blue Jackets were one of my teams that were going to make a big step this year in the league and they're kind of doing it if they stay healthy or they have the chance to do it if they stay healthy. Red Wings were my other top team and I got so much garbage from people
0: all summer long about That's that. That's
1: who I picked. I picked at the beginning of the season the Red Wings. Yep.
0: But yep. are are they phonies because there was a stat that came out at the last like couple of days that they've really only beat like two teams that have winning records or that are in the playoffs, you know.
2: No, they're not phonies. They're not a phony. Their biggest issue was defense, and they had one of the top defensemen on their roster with Mo Mo Sider. He just didn't have any help back there. Then you go get yourself a real consistent, gritty, steady Eddie and Shane Gostavere, and he's already contributed on special teams tremendously. So I think that they didn't make the flashiest moves outside of Debrinket, but they made the right moves. JT Comper has been a leader for the Avalanche for years. He's been a step-in guy whenever they couldn't rely on Branton and McKinnon and stuff. Like, so what I see with this team, more importantly, is the second half stride that they're going to make. But to has been a complete animal. Like, he's unstoppable. He was the second guy on the team for the Senators and when it came to power play points and goals and stuff, and he translated that over. Like, that the Detroit just couldn't really score. I think they averaged, like, under two and a half goals a game, which is just disturbing if you think about it. So they're my top one. I think that they're – I don't think that they're flukes. Um, you're starting to see the Senators kind of fizzle out a little bit, but some people yeah. still think, like, they're a powerhouse. The Buffalo Sabres, like, they got a rookie in between the pipes who still needs to find his legs and be able to do it for – you know, hockey's a long season. I think people forget that. So all And the are- isn't
1: the Tage he was last year either. Yeah. Uh, you know, people are starting to figure him out. And so I I think also, Debrinke, I really think that was the sign of the offseason um, right now going into this first part of the season. If you look at any of the other signings, it, it's, was there any other person out there that changed teams that has done more to their team than he has to any other team? I don't think so. And, yeah. yeah. No, I think so far this first part of the season, it is to is definitely the the big get of the offseason.
2: Yeah, and a lot of it could just be, you know, hometown and all this stuff. But, I mean, he's, he's thriving, and I think a lot is just going to – I mean, nothing's going to really hold him back, in my opinion. God forbid, knock on wood, he gets hurt. But, yeah, I think that the Bolts are still just really running strong. If finding their identity is the biggest part of their issue here with the amount of talent on this roster, I'll take it hands down. Um, especially with the way Johansson's performing and what is expected of Vasilevsky when he gets back. So I'm excited. I love it. Obviously <laughs> talking about the league, talking about the lightning, talking about hockey as a whole, it's, it's just fun. Well, and focus. I don't do bucks anymore. So I'm now
1: excited. talking about the league real quick and sorry, shooter. Um, there, the news came out today, you know, senators fired Dorian, Peter Dorian from the GM. Um, could have an impact on this team. We'll see. They're going to end up having to give a first round pick over one of the next three years. They have to decide within 24 hours of once they get a lottery placement, um, whether or not they want to give it up that year. So these next two years, if they decide, no, it's automatically the third year, they will lose that, that pick. Um, And then of course the big news since our last show is Adam Johnson um the passing away of that freak accident over in the English league um so i saw a lot of lightning fans upset that really nothing was done um in honor of him and there was a huge debate about was the tragedy in Ebor since it was so much closer to home did that happen instead of for Adam because a lot of the teams did do something for Adam. Um, And then the lightning ended up playing the friends thing song during, during the game for Matthew Perry, but still did not mention Johnson's passing away at all. Um, So, you know, just not lightning related, you know, different things that are going on around the hockey world. Um, And what about you, do you get your talk to different people? What do you hear about these different things?
2: Yeah, well, funny enough that you mentioned the fact that there was some disturbance of, you know, us honoring and taking a moment of silence for ebor but nothing else. Um, you know, because I get an opportunity to cover the league as a whole, I did get a lot of messages during the game about, you know, the moment of silence for ebor and nothing for Adam Johnson. I think that I think it, I think it's an unfortunate negative such an amazing organization um maybe it was an oversight thing but it it, somebody was like you know we can only do so many things yeah we can but you're talking about a respective member of the nhl somebody who just come like the incident rattled people across the board and now it's going to bring some change to the game potentially i mean
1: they're, they have to wear neck guards now. They are required to wear neck guards in that league now. So right. it's definitely changed that, and you, you know, eventually you might see that moving into the NHL.
2: Well, um, we're seeing conversations already happening. on right. To what degree can you know? Are they going to make it mandatory or make it more presentable for the NHL? So for something to to directly affect the league that you play in, there needed to be something to it, and also just the fact of like how horrendous that was, and like media doing what media does best rather than the focus being on you know an innocent person losing their life in a freak freak accident um it's turned into you know intentional versus non-intentional so kind of playing devil's advocate maybe because that's where the expansion of the news was heading maybe that's why the lightning said not right now because You know, some people took took those honorary moments uh, that games leagues were doing or teams were doing and being like, how can you do this if this person is a a murderer? If this, if that, there were so many ifs on it. And we know that the Lightning like to keep their hands, you know, very clean. They don't insert themselves in a situation until they have all the facts, all the figures, all the information. And then they make a quality, genuine attempt to do something. So for anyone who was kind of offended by that, I totally understand where you're coming from but also knowing and working so closely with the organization, I think that maybe the noise was just too loud in the night for a second. And maybe they'll focus on, on kind of re revisiting that um, in a more focused manner, or maybe they felt like they didn't want to overshadow it by honoring something closer to home. So I just, know I,
1: say, I think if the tragedy in anymore had not happened, I think there would have been some kind of it now had they done some kind of we've seen other teams where they made him the number one star of the night. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen where they put something out during a commercial break, just something on the big screen. Uh, the, I, I think just with the Matthew Perry part, I think that was enough to get some people upset. Cause you know, you're going like this way. And then you're like, Oh wait, well, where's Adam Johnson? <laughs> you know, you know, and I think that's where, and you know, and this is when, I always wish that and i see it in some other um some other franchises and i see it like the syracuse crunch habit where they actually bring fans in um like a focus point group with fans and it's like what are the people talking about what are and i've always said i really think they should take you know like people that do the podcasts people who run groups um there's like four four real major um, lightning groups out there, you know, Facebook groups. Uh, ask them what what are your people talking about? Yeah, they have people in the in each group. I mean, you know, even in Thunderbolts, we have some of the highest ranking people at Emily in the, in the group. Um, and so, you know, they see what's going on. They can see what's talking. But we get analytics. We can see which comment gets the most you know, play, gets the most likes, is viewed the most, you know, this is what everybody's talking about. So I feel like that's where they need to get more involved with the fans. And a lot of fans have thought that this team has pulled away from what the fans care about, what the fans want. And so, you know, it's, it was just when you saw the negativity about that. And I was like that, that kind of, pulled from a game that ended up being a crappy game too, because we lost in overtime. So I think everybody was just throwing daggers at everything that was wrong with that game. You couldn't, you could win to save your life on that game.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It just, they didn't have a fighting chance to begin with. Like you mentioned.
0: I I, I won't go into my rant about Sunday night. I was at Emily arena for Dave Chappelle. I won't go into my rant about the logistical operations of that show.
1: Um, but it was not
0: good, Emily Arena. It was not good. It's not oh, well said. No. Um, no. Anyway, rest in peace, Adam Johnson. Um, Casey, you might not know this. I think most of our listeners probably don't know this, especially the ones that listen often. I play hockey um, at least once a week. And I actually think about that often because when you're a minor, you're supposed to wear that neck guard. Yeah. And it's like loosely enforced, actually. And um, you know, at least in the beer leagues, nobody wears one and I don't see anyone in the NHL ever, you know, wearing one. I know the penguins, uh, who Adam Johnson spent time with, they actually did make it mandatory for all their affiliated teams, except for the Pittsburgh penguins. But I don't think NHLers are ever going to wear that. It's, it's just one of those calculated risks. Like it just doesn't happen too often. I think about it because I'm out there skating with guys that are not NHL level, and who knows what you know they're gonna flip, and you know their skate's gonna come up high. Um, I'm always you know on on the lookout for it, but you know it reminded me of probably the last time we saw it, and you know I didn't see it in person because I was probably a little kid, but in the '80s, the goalie for Buffalo. Gosh, that video is just disturbing. And um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if anything happens, that, or if it just kind of goes away. And my thought is, it's just going to go away because it was really just a freak accident.
2: Yeah, I mean that's the hard part with it too, because you kind of said something really important there. Is like, I don't want to say caliber of the league because all of these guys are playing hard. I mean, this is one of the hardest sports in the world, in my personal mm-hmm. opinion. Um, but you know, I okay, so I kind of translate it to this. For instance, my brother actually um, had a stint with the Seattle Seahawks. And then become when he was coming off of a surgery, they wanted him to start getting back into shape with their arena league to make sure that the surgery wasn't going to impact him going back to NFL speed. While he was there, a guy did a horrible tackle blew out his entire knee. And so it's just like the way that the game is played in the different categories or calibers of league. Yes. It changes the risk. It changes the dynamic out there and stuff. But I mean, I don't know. I, I would think – maybe maybe it's just me. Clearly, that's why I don't play hockey. But, like, I would be a little bit nervous because when you're in the intensity of the moment, the the force and the pace that these guys are slamming against the boards, falling down, getting up. Like, there was a game at Emily. I think it was, like, their first game back off the road where these dudes were just, like, flopping all over the ice. I mean, it was just constant down, up, down, up, one guy flipping. And if you think about it, in another split second of that moment, you know, it could have been somebody's face. 48 hours before – Adam's unfortunate, you know, situation. It was Jacob with the Boston Bruins that got the skate across his face and just missed his actual eyeball by like less than a quarter, like a quarter. Oh, he had a bandit
1: Kane's hand last year at Emily. Which, yeah, seeing
2: that and like, yeah. So, to a degree, I feel like even though it's like, yeah, this is the NHL and like, you know, these guys, it's their choice at the end of the day. There has to be something that kind of like puts accountability in their pocket like hey you're a pro i get it but like the like how many freak accidents do we need to have before that happens you know or who yeah. who's the freak accident going to happen to you where this is not going to be something where we just talk about it in past tense in a couple of weeks where there's just too much noise made about it and i i never feel like it's necessary to wait for those moments like is there restriction with the neck thing or irritation or is there something where like you really yeah. don't
0: it's a, it's like a choker. It's like a big choker necklace. Yeah. That, um, that, well, most, yeah guys that most guys are not. Are not all all
2: thing. Yeah. I do have
0: shooter. Have you watched the video
1: of the Adam Johnson thing? Because I've spoken with yeah, people, a people who play hockey, and they don't want to watch it.
0: I've watched it by accident, and it was a super sketchy play. Like the guy's skate shouldn't have been up that high.
1: Yeah. 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 Uh, I know the, the four people that play hockey that I've talked to that didn't want to watch it and they didn't want to watch it only because then it could put fear in them when they're skating or whatever. And mm-hmm. so they didn't want to see it. And I, I wonder if this is like the NHLers too, you know, do you do NHLers? Are they going to want to see that? Because in the back of their mind, they can always, I mean, Think about it, a lot of these NHL people now have family, um, now have kids and everything else. This guy literally, you know, if you watch the video, you see almost until it, he's dies. So I mean, as they're skating him off the ice, but you can see the puddle on the on the ice. I wouldn't recommend seeing it if, if you got if you're squeamish or anything. Don't go watch it. Uh, but
0: and here's the crazy part: he was not on the ice when it happened. Like you think, like like Kane was on the ground and he got stepped right. by. Him, right? No, no, he was skating. skating. Was not that case. He's standing up, not mm-hmm. skating. So it's just it's horrible.
2: Yeah, and like you mentioned, like the way that it happened and the many question marks that have now been inserted in the situation, like that could play into guys not really feeling too inspired to wear the net guards you know because if it does end up tilting more to the fact that that was a situation that was like overdone and yeah very costly price of somebody's life then yeah they're not going to but you did see some guys throw the guards on like the next day in some of those games um but it was still a very small percentage so i wonder if you're both right in the sense to where like anyone who probably watched the video was like eh got a little nervous decided to go with it but anything holding up'm I'm, I'm not sure i think i i think shooter you're spot on i don't think it's gonna really carry much weight moving no
0: forward. these guys don't want to put like just just visors on to protect their eyes like now your mm-hmm. grandfather is into that by the way everyone knew that's joining the league they have to put a visor on uh mm-hmm. just like if you when they mandated helmets if you didn't wear one before you didn't have to So, I don't know. Well, and now
1: warmups, you're required to. And you saw Bedard, his first, who, (laughs) speaking of Bedard, he will be coming to uh, the next home game here at Mm -hmm. Amelie. It is CB. CB doesn't stand for Chicago Blackhawks. It stands Mm -hmm. for Connor Bedard. And so he came out on his rookie um, and his very first game and had no helmet and took the fine um, because he didn't want to wear it and th- those are the new things because you saw several different times throughout the years where players would get a puck to the head and they would be out for the game or they would have a gash um, so and we've had it with the lightning a couple of
0: times so that's why they I mean, start dating that. i don't i don't like that rule i, I think players don't want to wear their helmets in warmups. They shouldn't have to. They know the risk of, of not wearing it. And it's again, just kind of a freak accident. If they get hit with the stick, uh, April said, apparently the team paid for the
1: fine along with the rest of the rookies on the team. Cause they did. Yeah. It was stammer that guy injured, but with the puck to the head and in, in warmups.
2: Well, we know warm-ups yep. is all about the flow show. So
0: yeah, yeah they got to go show off that, that hair. Um, I know, uh, I know a lot of the Lightning fans that show up for those uh, those pregame skates like uh, to see their their guys out there. <laughs> um, all right, let's give away this awesome cooler. Should we? Let's do it. By the way, uh, last chance to enter. Hashtag cigar City in the comments is all you have to do. Real quick, we've got the Blue Jackets in Columbus tomorrow, the Senators on Saturday night. These are all away games. The Leafs on Monday, I uh, believe uh, our friends Sixfire are having a watch party, so uh, we'll retweet that so you guys can, can go attend that. And then Tuesday, the Canadians, and then they'll be back home to see Mr. Connor Bedard next Thursday night. So uh, a big away uh, trip here, and hopefully the Bullets can pick up some points because it's going to be a tough uh, trip. All right, let's do this. Hashtag Cigar City. Nate, just in the nick of time, you got that one in. Um, By the way, we might or might not have a couple more of these throughout the season, so stay tuned. Let's do it. The only one that cannot win is uh, the multiple Shooter in the Stashes that are in there, which we'll probably land on first. (laughs) Hey, Carl, coming in late with the last comment. Gets it. There you go, Nate. If you can um, if you can DM us, uh, that would be greatly helpful. But uh, we got a Cigar City cooler full of goodies headed your way. Casey Hudson, anything else you want to tell the people tonight?
2: Uh, nothing I can think of. No bolts. It's still early. I'm still very excited. I still think this is the playoff team. And we'll see what happens on the road if they can translate the good from home ice and the home luck onto the road.
0: It'll you know, interesting to see because they've been such a good team at home. Can they win on the road? So far, the season not so good on the road. Thomas, is my is my sound effects working yet? No, oh, no, that stinks. All right, well, no,
1: and yeah. I do need a. I was saying Bernier earlier for Seattle, and it's Grubauer was the goalie. Um, thanks for Stephanie. She's like, who the hell are you talking about? And then I was like, <laughs> okay. I meant Grubauer was um, the goalie that um place for seattle that we just could not figure out
2: yeah gruby's a good one though i mean he was he he won the starting job for the avalanche avalanche pushed varlamov out of there because varley wanted to stay an in, in av and grubauer kind of pushed him out and then he got pushed out by georgiev so interesting little carousel there
1: well then he's pushed goalies out of he pushed goalies out of Seattle too. So you know, he he deserves that job. But like I said, he had he was like one B right now. And then now it looks like he might be one A again. And Seattle fans are really wanting to see more of him now.
0: Yep. Yeah. Well, you're seeing that throughout most of the league is they don't have a Vassy that they can parade out there for most of the games. You're seeing more and more of these split uh Situations, situation. So, yeah, so um, so again,
1: they're not even huge under behind him anymore. Um, and the Rangers organization, you see the fans, not, not liking him.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, 82 games is tough. It's, it is. it's a tough position to play. And the other thing is that a lot of teams don't want to pay a goalie, $10 million a year. You know, you can use like that can really, really solid. You can almost get a full line for that much, like a good third line for that much. So I know, I, I know both fans that would, would like to see Vassy on a different team because they'd like that salary committed elsewhere. And that was not going back to last season. So um, that's the decisions that a NHL GM has to make. Do you go with that, uh, you know, all-star caliber goalie that can play, 60, 70 games a season maybe? Or do you split it up and try to get more offense and get a better all-around roster?
2: He pay for the goalie. If you're learning anything from watching the Edmonton Oilers, you pay for the goalie.
0: Casey,
1: one, I got one last question for you, Casey. Which, what, have you watched JoJo during his warm-up? Have you seen his warm-up or routine?
2: Not like spot on. Whenever I'm down there, I'm kind of watching all the guys –
1: I'm telling you, you will be in for a treat if you watch JoJo's warm-up routine. Um, the last, I think, seven minutes of warm-ups, he plays a whole game in his head on the ice to the fact that the other team's goalies are always staring at him like, what is going on? He he catches He catches them, he blocks them, He is so into the zone and into the game. You need to. I made Shooter come down and watch him the one time. He plays a whole game in his head in that last like seven minutes of warm ups. It's unbelievable.
2: Because I'll I'll be there for the initial moment when the guys come on the ice. I usually record like, you know, the the players' warm ups. Uh, Darren Radish is apparently like a ballerina out there. Mm -hmm. And then before they wrap up is when I'm trying to catch the elevator to go upstairs. So I cannot say that I've seen it. But. I believe you because I'm—I kid you not. Even before people started to like like Johansson, his statistics of his ability to weather like difficult shots were already like top five in the league. It was just the way that the guys were playing in front of him. So for a guy to be able to manage such a difficult workload, um, you know that he's got to have something going on. I mean, Bassey doesn't have his own spastic warm up just to go between the pipes and do a lot of nothing it's because of he's so meticulous and the ability to stop what he can, but Johansson's you know, right there. Like I think this has now been the burst or the beginning of his real career.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Casey. Thanks for coming on. Uh, bolt fans, make sure you already follow her at the sports case at casing the league, go check out her podcast and hopefully we'll have you on. Maybe we'll, we'll drag you to one of these watch parties after the new year. Hopefully. Yeah.
2: Fingers crossed. Happy to be there.
0: <laughs> we'll uh, we'll let you know as we get closer. Until then, bolts fans. I don't have my sound effects, but this has been we the thunder. Don't forget to be the thunder, and that's it.